0: So last week, I, I want to ask some forgiveness. I probably got a little passionate last week um, talking about zeal and, and desire for God. Um, but that's one of the ways that I keep my my hunger and my love for God very um, um, reachable. I keep it close. I keep it stirred up. The Bible says that we're fan of flame with a gift of God that's inside of us, that's been given to us by the laying on of hands in, in First Timothy, I think it is. Well, I like to stir myself up sometimes because I can get a little a little weak sometimes. I can get a little tired sometimes. I can get a little cranky sometimes. You know, I can get a little um, distracted sometimes. Would you guys agree that you get that way sometimes? Right? Um, and if you're married, and you get a little weary, you get a little you know, tired, you get a little distracted and because you're married and you're in this committed relationship, your spouse will educate you real quickly on how distracted you are. Right? You're not there for me. You're not listening to me. You're not helping me. Has anybody ever heard those words? No one? Mike, is this a yes? He he I'm struggling. Do you notice I'm struggling? I'm struggling. Do you notice that I'm struggling? You know, so uh, thank you, spouses, and I've been glad I've been able to help out myself, help Randy. You know, we all need to keep our zeal. Amen? Mm-hmm. Amen. So I'm gonna give you the definition of zeal. Zeal is a noun and it means great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or and objective, okay? How many of you husbands have projects you never finish? <laughs> your wife wants you to have zeal in that area, right? She wants you to have zeal. How many husbands have not taken your significant other or your loved one, your spouse, on a nice little getaway? She's insinuated numerous times that she loves the mountains, she loves the beach, and you're like, baby, I'll get you it one day. How many, how many of you just... Raise your hand if you haven't done that yet. If you haven't had any zeal, exactly. nobody's communicating today. <laughs> I said at least they went scared to get in trouble. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, when you acknowledge the truth in public, you get a double. You get a double dose. It's like you know, and you knew you weren't doing. So uh, one of the scriptures I started last Sunday with was in Luke chapter 24, verse 32. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to stay there, but um, it says that you know, Jesus was resurrected, and he came back, and he was walking with um, some guys on the road, and they were just kind of down, and, and, and Jesus went inside, ate dinner with them, and I'm going to teach you a little bit about that later this morning, but when Jesus left, they said, man, didn't our hearts burn within us while he was with us? And that's what I want to stir up this morning is, guys, you should never get comfortable with your relationship with God. I'm guilty of it. It gets mundane. And the only reason why it gets mundane is not because God's not mundane. It's not because God is, is just kind of like fading. And he's not as vibrant. No, it, it's more often because uh, all the time because of us. You know, when you really get a connection with God, when you really obey God, when you really seek His direction and His voice and His word, you have a burning heart of desire to be with Him at all times. And so I just wanted to use that as an entryway into our zeal message. Didn't our hearts burn within us as we were with Christ, as we talked with Him on the road? And then I went to Revelation 3, and I talked about how the Apostle John was riding underneath the unction of of the Spirit of God. And he was writing to specific churches, he was writing prophetically um, to churches today and churches that will continue to be on this earth until Jesus comes and handles business. But he was specifically talking to John about the church of Laodicea in Revelations chapter three. So I do want you guys to turn there because I'm gonna be going through uh, chapter three, verses 13, all 15, all the way to like 21, I believe. Um, so we'll go there um, throughout today. The and so I want to go there. He was talking to the church. He said, look, you guys aren't really on fire. You know, you guys really aren't passionate. You've kind of gotten a little, a little lukewarm. And um, he said, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. And uh, so that's the scripture we, we finished up with pretty much last week. Let's go to Revelation chapter 3, verse 15. Then he goes on and says, I know all the things you do that you're in hot or cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And I just barely touched on the fact of how many of us can be misdirected with our zeal. Okay? We get zealous about a number of things in our life, but oftentimes, when it comes to God, our zeal is greatly misdirected. We will invest more time doing the wrong things that doesn't leave enough time to do the right things and then our life is unfulfilled. Then we live in guilt, we live in shame, we live in this condemnation that we, we backslide or we're slackening. Well, if you had your zeal where it needed to be, which is with Christ, always stoked in those fires, then the other things, they just gonna kind of fall to the wayside on their own. When you keep the main thing the main thing, the petty things become petty. Make sense? But our world today is we like to make the petty things the main thing. And then we decrease our focus on how great and grand the main thing, which is God, is. Okay? So we want to work on our misdirected zeal. God's zeal for us is never misdirected. If I were to ask God this morning, God, who is the apple of your eye? You know what he would say? You, David. Now, that makes my day. Because my wife rarely compliments my appearance. And it's not, I'm not blaming her. I'm not blaming her. She does the best she can with what she sees, right? <laughs> my mom? My mom's like, baby, you're looking good. You know, like, mom, you're like half blind you got to hold your phone like this to read something. You know? But thank you anyway. But what I'm getting at, guys, is when you look at God, I'm always the apple of his eye. And I don't say that properly. I say that humbly. And I want you to understand that, too. If I were to ask God, God, who are you thinking about right at this moment? You know what God would say? He said, I'm thinking about Sean. He would say, I'm thinking about EJ. He would say, I'm thinking about Wayne. No, no, God's it like, who are you really, really thinking about right now at this moment? I'm thinking about Bill. I'm thinking about Nikki. I'm thinking about Cassie. I'm thinking about Buddy. Butch, I'm even thinking about Butch. I'm thinking about Sonia. You guys get where I'm going. But God, I know you're thinking about these, but, but are you really... Ri- I love Kelly. I just can't get my mind off of Kelly. Do you understand that? God thinks about you day in, day out. He's obsessed with you. Not only would he give his all, he's already... Given his all. That's how much he loves you. Amen. That's the kind of zeal I want. I want somebody like that to rub off on me, right? I want to have passion. And he, he, he screams for our attention. He wants our affection. He wants our love. He is zealous for us. Even scripture says it. Go to James first, chapter 4, verse 5. So, do you think that scriptures have no meaning? Look at what we read. Do we think it has no meaning? Clearly in God's word, it says that God is passionate. There's a burning sensation, desire inside of him. And he says that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful, what? Faithful to him. I mean, just read that. God is passionate, number one, but he's passionate specifically that the Holy Spirit His own spirit, God's spirit that he places inside of a follower, a believer, the spirit that he places, y'all not getting this, the spirit that he places, he's passionate about it. I'm going to put my nature, my spirit, my power in this body, in this temple, in this vessel, the spirit that he places inside of us, he's passionate about it. So that the Spirit that He puts inside of us should be faithful to Him. That's what the scripture says. Why, if ever, should we ever fail of being committed to God? If ever there should never be a chance. There should never be an opportunity where we grow weary in our faithful with God. There should never be an opportunity where we just kind of push God off to the side. His own scripture says that he places, he's passionate about it. When he puts the spirit in you, the spirit that he puts in you should do what? What does it say right there in James? What? Say it louder? Y'all see that? It says that they should be faithful to him. Right there. Everybody say should be faithful. So if you're a Christian he's number one you should be faithful to him The English uh, standard version says that he yearns jealously over the spirit Have you ever been jealous? I remember having crushes back in, in my younger years and if this girl Just so happened to even like answer another guy's letter, or just so happened to answer her phone, this guy's phone call, or he would ask her a question or for help on a test, and she, I would get so jealous, so jealous. Or maybe my siblings, if if my siblings got a chance to spend the weekend at a relative's house, or they went to Disney World, or they went to the beach, and I didn't get a chance, I wasn't even invited, I would get jealous. What about at your job and -and so-and-so gets the raise, so-and-so gets the position, so-and-so gets the, the company vehicle, the gas car, the phone? You have jealousy. Why? Because you wanted what it is that they received. God's jealous for you. He wants everything that you have. He wants all of you. Amen? But where we do, where we mess up is we let that zeal, we let that passion, that hunger for God, we let it wane. Everybody say wane. Not wane boom, W-A-N-E, but wane, W-A-N-E. The definition for wane is especially of a condition of feeling, a decrease in vigor, a decrease in power, and a decrease or extent you become weaker. So that's what happens with our faith. That's what happens with our love, our zeal for God, is we wane. We wane. It becomes weaker. Our passions wane. Let me ask you a question. Like a married couple. You're dating. You can't stop thinking about each other. You're doing things for one another. You're buying them small gifts. You're leaving notes. You're fixing lunch. You're getting everything ready. You're just just passionate. You're zealous. And you press the little fast forward, but you get there, 20 years down the road, and you're like, silence, no connection. If you say something to each other, it's like you left the dirty drawers on the floor again, like we've been married 20 years, you can't do that. Or uh, I asked you to cook the meat that was marinating, and, and you cooked the wrong meat. And that's all you say all day, all week. You don't take them anywhere, you don't yell guys get on going. What about if you had this new job? Oh my goodness, this is an answer, God, it's answer my prayer. Listen, I've got this new job. Listen, they got me get ready to put me in management. They gave me an $80 an hour raise, and I only get there a week. <laughs> they love me. I love them. I prayed for this for years. God is real. Man, I'm excited. I'm stoked. God, this is so awesome! They ask me to work two hours overtime. Man, I can't stand this place. (laughs) (laughs) Pastor David, I need you to pray for me. This job stinks. I mean, they just—they don't appreciate me. They don't extend the expectations. They just have all these high demands, and it's just—is anybody (laughs) identifying? It doesn't always have to be that your spouse changed. It doesn't always have to be that your job environment changed. From my experience, the majority of the problem, when I get upset, I get bitter, is because my zeal, my passion has waned. Oftentimes, the conditions are even better than they were when I first started. But because of my perspective and my fire, my passion, my zeal, my drive, my appreciation for what I have and God's blessing has changed, my love wanes. There were times where I was not attracted to my wife. There were times where I didn't want to be around her. I didn't want to hear her. How foolish you guys are thinking. Don't act so holy. <laughs> The reason why is because my zeal was misdirected. Oftentimes, men and women, they enjoy watching the sprinkler heads run on the other grass. And it's as green as Ellie's shirt. Oh, that grass is green. Look how plush. Look how nice. No, the grass is not really greener. It's your perspective. Your zeal, your passion has waned. Can I get an amen from husbands? This is your chance to say amen. This is your chance to look at your wife and I and say, baby, you still got it. Come on, man you better do it. You still got it. Baby. After a whole six months, you still got it. <laughs> but honestly, guys, y'all identify with what I'm saying? How our love wanes? Matthew, the book of Matthew says in chapter 22, verse 37, Jesus tells us, He said, You shall love, you shall, not should, not if it would be of your best interest, not if you have nothing else to do on a Sunday morning or a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. He says, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Matthew 22, verse 37, love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. Can y'all please tell me in this scripture where God is willing to compromise with you about the amount of love he's desiring from you? When your spouse or your employer says the same thing three times, do you think they are trying to get a point across? <laughs> I remember when I first met Brandy. I lived in the city, and they lived out in the country. And I'm a city boy, and I drove, I drove normal, which was fast. And I got three speeding tickets in five days. I'm not lying. And I'm like, what is, the, what is wrong with these people, man? These little po up pounds, they got nothing better to do than just give this new guy a ticket. Like they just. Three different like city cops, state children, like they after me. This is ridiculous. Never once did I realize I was the one that had the heavy foot, right? I was blaming on everything else. Those three times in five days. Look at this. Jesus is saying, "I want all." Everybody say all. He wants to get the point across, just like State Trooper Charlie Brown. That was his name in Louisiana. He was trying to get a point across. You don't make U-turns in the middle of a highway. He got his point across. Why? Because he said it three times. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind. Don't ever allow your heart to wane. Don't let your heart begin to decrease and and descend on how much you love him. Don't let your mind begin to, to just wane on thinking about negative things all the time and how much God ignores you and how God doesn't answer your prayer and how he's put you through this rough time. I promise you, it will affect you in negative ways that it's really hard to get out of. Okay? So don't wane in your areas that description with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever worshipped God with all your might, with all your heart, I really want to mimic what I envisioned, but I'll probably injure myself. We used to be the church that had about 400 teenagers on Wednesday night, and they were passionate. I mean, they had some intimate worship settings. It was powerful, powerful. And one time, this guy and another guy, they came in, newcomers, new guests, And as we're worshiping, this guy is literally, like, thrashing. Like he was doing a mosh pit at, like, a heavy metal concert. Just, and he was just like, wow, swinging around. Like, I'm waiting for a blackout or a bus to from somebody. And I started judging this guy. I'm like, he's making a mockery. Like, he's really a distraction. Is he trying to, like, really get everyone's attention? And I let it go by for like a song or two, and then it just didn't stop. So after, like, everybody sat down, and I was hey, man, can I, can I get a minute every time? He's like, sure. And I just tried to politely ask him about, like, what is this you were just doing? It's ridiculous. And with tears in his eyes, he's like, man, I'm just, I'm so thankful for what he's done in my life. He set me free. And he just started proclaiming all oh, that God, he's that i got to worship him with everything inside of me. I'm telling you, it's choking me up again today. And it just brought me back to when you read through Scripture and you see how David was dancing before the Lord. He was naked. And he was just jumping and his arms were swinging and he was free. That's zealous. Don't do it here this morning. I'm just... (laughs) There are scriptures I say we ought to do things in decent and in order, but here I was judging this person, and I've only been able to get to that place of worshiping with all my heart a very few, very few times. To where my legs were sore from dancing and jumping. Not a rock concert, not something that there was a bunch of hype. It was just my heart's posture. I was so transparent with God. And I worship him with all. So I, I just, I encourage you, give it a try. It's real intimate when you just worship the Lord with all your heart. Revelation 3 15 says, said, I know what you do, and you're neither hot or cold, and I wish you were one or the other. And then another scripture says, it says that you're indifferent. He says, that you're like lukewarm water. I want to speak out of mouth. So I want us to give, I want to give you guys context for why he used this. Because when I started hearing the scripture 20 something years ago, I was like, why would Jesus say, I want to like keep you spit you out of my mouth. What am I doing in Jesus' mouth? You know? I started thinking through those things. Well when Jesus is speaking, God's speaking to John to the church of Laodicea, there's a geographical setting to where you have Laodicea, which is right about maybe five or ten miles south of Heropolis, and then you have Colossae which is to the southeast. Okay? Well We here in High Springs know all about springs, right? Mm -hmm. And springs produce a certain amount of water every day, and they produce a certain temperature of water. Well, from what I understand is that in Heropolis, they had more of the hot water type springs. So the water was hot, it was soothing to the body, it would help people with their physical issues, you know, it was just warm, it got the bones warm, it got some mobility there. And then to the southeast was Colossae, and they had what I understood as, as cold water springs. I would guess typically to what we have right here in our area. And as they try either naturally through creeks or ravines, or maybe they hand dug, I'm just guessing, some sort of irrigation, some ditches that would make the water go where they wanted it to go, towards Laodicea. By the time they would get there, that water was neither hot from Hierapolis or cold from Colossae, and it was just lukewarm, right? So, additional to that, it was a clayish, clay-ish type soil, so if you got bent around clay, you put water on it like it just starts to deteriorate, you know, it begins to contaminate the water that passes. Uh, how many guys like just sulfuric like uh, water? That delicious smell, that aroma. Some people like they identify as rotten eggs or something like that, but they don't know what they got coded or something, you know, they, but you know they got nasty water, right? Do you still drink it sometimes? No. No, you, you do what? Spit out? That's what Jesus is saying. He said, "You're neither hot. You're not soothing. You're not so- when you when you bring me your worship, you don't warm my bones." He says, "When you bring me your devotion, your worship, you don't refresh me like cold water. You don't warm my bones. You don't give me this warm feeling like the hot water does." He says, "You, you just look warm. Last Sunday, Aiden and I went to Lee, uh, Florida to pick up the stuff on my tractor. And we were hungry. And I said, hey, let's, go to, let's go to Dunkin' Donuts right down to Ellisville. And Aiden orders an iced coffee. I don't really care about iced coffee. I couldn't believe really, he ordered it. I'm like, do you know what you ordered? Yeah, Daddy, they're good. They're good. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. And he's like, you gotta take a sip. And I took a sip, and my eyes were open. <laughs> I saw a sign. I'm like, dude, this iced coffee is on point. I'm like, this tastes good. Now, how many of you guys like iced coffee? Like iced? Lift your hands, okay? 25%? How many of you guys like hot coffee? You're a hot coffee drinker, (laughs) How many of you like coffee that you had in the morning and it's about 10.30 and it's just been sitting right there, just kinda looped? Just lift up your hands so everybody can look at you. You must have COVID, your taste is not right. (laughs) There is just something about (laughs) lukewarm coffee. What Jesus is trying to get across to the church of Laodicea is you have no zeal anymore. You don't long for me. You don't spend time with me. You don't search for me. You don't obey me. Are you guys following me? Then he goes on to tell this church, he said, I'm going to screw you out of your mouth. In verse 17, he says, you see, I'm rich and I have everything, and I need nothing. I don't need a thing. Now, the way I see that in, in today's world is many people, especially Christians, they were like, Watch, well, I read that in the Bible. Lemon, you talked about this last week, or I sung that song last time. Have you ever been that way? It's just boring. I've already read this. I've already prayed this. I've already served in the children's ministry. I've already served on the worship team. It's just, oh, just whatever. Nah. Right? That's what he's saying. You've lost your zeal. You think you have everything. You reached your point of, you've done it all. You've served. That's for somebody else. He said, I don't want you to be that way. I had a pastor one time, he was just always excited. Always passionate, Rip Retail, Brandon. Do you remember Pastor Rip? Mm-hmm. Always on fire. I was like, Dude, are you always like this? He said, Every day, every day. He said, Who told you your fire's supposed to go out? Who told you your fire's supposed? Who told you you're only supposed, you supposed to be saved for two three years and then you just lose your passion? Who told you this? I'm like, That's serious. I'm not supposed to be a prune faced Christian. <clears throat> I'm not supposed to just be casual with my relationship because he rescued me from hell. I just can't get tired of that. I can't lose that. He rescued me from hell. Yeah. Thank you. I was like, not one amen. Some of y'all must not believe that hell is real. You live on this planet for a week and you know hell's real because hell's worse than this. And this place is a joke at times. Amen? Amen. Never want to lose my passion or zeal. He says, I know all the things you do in the Bible, you're indifferent. He says, listen, I want you to love me. Then he goes on in verse 18. I want to teach you a, little bit about, a little bit about this. He says, um... First, he tells us that we're poor, we're miserable, we're wretched. And in verse 18, he says, so since you're poor, since you're wretched and miserable, he said, I advise you that you buy gold from me. Doesn't that seem just a little peculiar, a little weird? He says right there in verse 17, he says, look, you say I'm rich, I have everything, everything I want, everything I need, and you don't realize that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Verse 18, so I advise you to buy gold from me gold has been purified by fire then he goes on and says then you will be rich also buy garments from me then he goes on and says, you will not be ashamed of your nakedness and buy ointment for your eyes so you will be able to see he says i corrected this discipline of everyone i love so be diligent be diligent everybody say diligent or, from your indifference so what is the gold well through Scripture." Gold you know, When he's talking specifically here. He's talking about your faith He said you need to buy Faith you need to return you need to renew your faith Okay, that's what he's saying gold is as pure as it can be looking for uh, 1 first Peter 1 and 7 This just gives us a clear clear example first Peter 1 7 says these trials will show your faith is genuine Not the good times Not when you're blessed and everything's going as easy as you wanted. That's when we have the best faith, right? At least in our mind. But scripture says that when you are facing these trials, they will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Gold gets more valuable the more that is invested in taking out the impurities. Let me say that again. The value of gold increases as the amount of investment goes in to remove the impurities. Your faith increases in value the more that you remove these contaminants, the old way of thinking, your old belief system, the lack of faith, and it becomes a pure Faith of pure gold. So it says, you know, it is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. God saying, listen, I want you to buy gold for me. I need you to get more faith in me. Then it goes on. So when your faith remains strong through your trials, it will bring much praise and glory to who? In honor on the day that the Lord Jesus is revealed to the whole world. So, how do we become passionate again about our Lord? How do we become passionate? And how do we return to a jealous, I mean, a zealous faith? We allow God to purify us. Let Him bring you through those challenging moments where He's really trying to burn out that ego in your life, that pride in your life, that selfishness in your life, that sin in your life. Allow Him to do that. Because the more that you allow him, you get right before him and on your knees say, God, pull this from you. Take it from me. He scrapes off that dross as he brings you to a boiling temperature. And the more that he pulls that from you, it's going to hurt because he's taken out stuff that he's had since we were a child. Since we were born. Since we were even um, it created. But let him remove that dross. Let him make us pure gold so that our faith will begin to increase more and more. Then he goes on in verse 13. He says, Behold that's been pure by fire, then you will be rich. Verse 18, be what I consider. Also buy white garments from me, so you will not be ashamed of your nakedness. Now, throughout scripture, when you see white garments or fine linen, oftentimes it's talking specifically or symbolically of your lifestyle, of your walk, of your righteousness, of how you're blanketed or covered, covered in Christ. So you're walking in Christ. Your status, so to speak, in Christ. Romans 13, verse 14 says, Rather, clothe yourself. I say clothe. clothe. Jesus is saying, look, I want you to buy pure gold for me, and I want you to get fine linens. Whites, I want you to get for me. Clothe yourself with Christ Jesus, and do not think about how to gratify the desires of your flesh. When we clothe ourselves in Christ, he begins to carry us in a different manner. We have the sense of modesty. He saves us from doing things that would be contrary to his word. He saves us and protects us. He clothes us from doing things that would be embarrassing to him and to our walk. If you look at Revelations 19, verses 6 and 8, last week I talked about how Jesus has come back to his bride. And she's going to be holy. She's going to be without limit. She's going to be on fire. She's not going to be, you know, just man. Nah. Oh, you came back for me. Oh, that's great. You're kind of late. You're supposed to show up as such and such. No. Look right here. It says in nineteen verse sixteen. Hallelujah! For the Lord our God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. y'all see that? The bride has made herself ready. It takes some effort. As a Christian, to be the bride that the groom Christ is coming back for, it's going to take some making. Made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and pure. Look at the last part of the scripture. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. So when he says, I want you to buy pure gold for me, I want you to buy white garments or fine linen for me, he's talking about good deeds. He's talking about that livelihood, that lifestyle of just walking in Christ. Does that that make sense? Being a blessing to others. Every day of your life, you should have a focal point of honoring Christ with your day. You should be able to exemplify, you should be able to demonstrate the nature, the love, the forgiveness, the compassion, the assistance of God to all those around you. At some given time in your day, it should be part of your focus. You should be zealous about that. Our good deeds, also, if you think about this, if you look at the scripture, basically, our good deeds clothe the bride of Christ. Our lifestyle. The way that we live, the things that we do, our actions clothe the bride of Christ, the church, right? We can be a church in a building, but if we're out there looking like the world, how are we clothing the bride of Christ? She's dressed kind of skimpy, right? No, we need to be walking in Christ. We need to make sure that we are honoring God with our actions, our good deeds. Every day of your life, you should be looking for an opportunity to bless someone. Whatever fashion if it's helping help if it's serving buying something for them or providing for them do that We should do the same with God every week of our life. We should be thinking about how can I give to God? How can I serve God? I'm going to touch on this subject for a minute But and I think in a lot of our mindsets is because we have you know sold a building and we have the money from that that people we don't there's no financial strain anymore. We don't have any expenses So we don't really have to give. Well, that is very, 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 very off, very wrong. We still have the same amount of expenses, just a little bit less because the other building was paid for. Now we get to pay rent. Now we get to pay for other things to help get us out in the community, okay? So I'm just advising, I'm encouraging you guys. If you want to be like Christ is saying, to buy gold from him, which is have more faith, get faith deeper in him, and, and to buy white garments or fine linen, that is to walk in Christ. Giving is part of that. Serving is part of that. How do we give? Well, my wife and I, we've chosen to just make it easy. Whatever comes into the house of our employment, our gross we just take a tenth of that and we give it to the Lord. We bring it to the storehouse, either right here, right there, on the back. We give it online, whatever the case may be. It's easy. If I bring in $400 this week, what do I give for those of you who are good at math? You guys are quick. And what's odd is at the end of a year, you'll see someone's giving records and it was like $400 or a $1,000. And I know the scripture talks about the, the, the widow's and the little bit she gave, she gave her. I understand that. But I get moved with compassion. If someone is making it through the entire year or on $4,000, we need to help them. Wouldn't well, you think so? If someone is only tithing, say, $1,000 a year, we need to be the ones helping them. Because how can you make it on on making $10,000 a year? Unless you're elderly or whatever. They can't. You guys get what I'm going so it's, just, it's just very logical. That, that's one of the ways you give. Another way is to plug in to serve. Each and every one of us. If you've been at church, this church, for four months, five months, six months, seven months, you should be on a schedule. You should be signed up. You should be serving in some fashion. Why? Because that's your good deeds. I'm not talking about works to earn salvation or earn, earn credit from God. It's a byproduct of the Spirit, like I said, puts in you, loves Him with all that you have. Does that make sense? Everybody see perpetual. 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 That's how our love for God should be. It should be perpetual. Never ending, look up there, perpetual. Never ending or changing, occurring repeatedly. So frequent as to seem endless and uninterrupted. Everybody say, I don't want to wane. I don't want to wane. I want my zeal, my passion to wane for God. Then he goes on and he says that I want you to buy ointment for your eyes. And that represents so that you'll be able to see spiritually. That you'll be able to discern. You'll be able to see what God's doing in your life and those around you. He says, Buy this ointment. And it, and it represents seeing in the spiritual realm. Now I'll give you a, a prime example Acts chapter 9, verse 17. Saul met up with Christ, took his sight lined it up to where he met up with Ananias, and this is where you find it, right here, verse 17. So Ananias went and found Saul. The Holy Spirit told him to do that. God told him to do that. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road to Damascus, has sent me to you that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, from what you've learned about Apostle Paul, would you say that he was someone who had zeal? Would you say that Apostle Paul was someone who had passion? Would you say that he was someone that had leading of the Holy Spirit? I would say yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So anytime you read where Jesus, or the word says, you need ointment for your eyes, that means I want to begin seeing in the Spirit, through the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, Let's go to the last verse I want to share with you. Which would be verse 20. He says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Now, in Jewish culture, back then, they would have like a light breakfast, don't take up much time, lunch would be the same. They would just eat a little quick bite and just keep on doing whatever they were doing. But the dinner time, the supper time, was where that's where they spent quality time with one another. They would sit for two to even three hours lounging together, really connecting, really talking about areas that they want to work on each other, work on themselves, and be there for one another, like it was transparent. It, it was the ultimate connected time for any family or any friend. And you'll see that as you read that in scripture, he says, look, he says, I'm gonna knock at the door, and if you hear my voice and my knock, and you let me in, I will come in with you and suck with you. I will eat dinner with you. I will spend time with you as friends. There's this deep, deep sense of, of love and affection and commitment there. It's not like a little fast food drive-through, right? He said, I want to spend time with you as a friend. Now, look, notice how he says, look, I stand at the door and I knock. He says, if you hear me, you let me in. But what I find is I've watched a number of you. I've listened to you. We've had conversations. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus has been knocking on your door. You've told me. And God is just trying to get to me. He's trying to tell me A, B, and C. He wants me to do such and such. Jesus is knocking on your door. But the problem is you're keeping him out on the porch. You're the one, You're the one telling the kids, shh, off. He's just making his rounds. Let him go to the next house. We're not ready to serve him. We're not ready. Right. Did you see this house? It's a mess. We have nothing. We can't feed him. He's not worried about eating. He's worried about sitting down. We spend time tired. You don't want to dig through your fridge and find your beer if you hide in the bottom drawer to the right. <laughs> you don't want to head you hide behind a fruit cocktail. You know, you can keep fruit cocktail and not right? We're a guilty girl, messy. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus is doing. And all he hears is your little pitter-patter running around the house trying to avoid it. Now some of y'all are pretty brave. You'll get your Bluetooth speaker, and you'll get your phone, and you'll pull up that little uh, Little Richard song. You keep on knocking, but you can't come in. You keep on knocking, but you can't come in. Come back tomorrow night and try it again. Woo! Let this be a warning to me. Let's just be a warning to you. If God's knocking at your door asking you to let him in so he can sup with you and spend time with you, and you're too busy, and you're running around the house trying to avoid him, and you're playing a little Richie, a little Richie, you keep on knocking, but you can't, let me tell you something. Please don't misunderstand God's grace. Please don't misunderstand God's divine appointment that you were not created 150 years ago. That you weren't born in 1842. You weren't born in 1928. You were born for such a time as this. The lungs in your, the air in your lungs is for today. For you to be used by God today. Amen. Today for you to let it in. Does that make sense? There are other people begging. Begging to get on the potter's wheel and be used by God. you I like, oh, I cool, guess off my shoulder. Wait, on my shoulder. Don't be foolish. Don't be foolish. Don't miss God. Allow him in. Amen? Because he says in the last part, verse 22, it says, Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit of God. How many of y'all got these on your head? Some are a little larger than others. That's Okay. Some are smaller, it doesn't mean you're more stubborn, right? Anyone who has ears must hear and must listen to the Spirit and understand what He is saying to the churches. What He's saying to the churches, guys. get Get passionate. Get passionate. Get passionate. Get zealous. Get zealous. Get serious. Get committed. Get selfless. Amen? Amen? Understand what he's telling the churches. I want your worship. I want everything you have, is what he's saying. Because he's given us everything. Not once, but for eternity. How many guys want some zeal? Seven? Seven? Eight? Nine? Next Sunday is Mother's Day. I hope you're being zealous for your mom. I hope you're being zealous. And if your mom's not with, her, with us anymore, listen, just have a heart of gratitude. Maybe make the day of someone else's mom. Let her know how much you appreciate her. Amen? Amen. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we do thank you, God, for your word. I ask, Lord, that you would blow fresh, fresh fire, God, fresh desire, fresh passion, fresh zeal into all of your children, God. The people that are here this morning, the people that are watching online or listening to the podcast, God, maybe they can identify that it's been years since they have felt some fire spiritually. It has been years since they felt passion spiritually. God, I ask that today would be the day And Lord, they begin to submit to you. They begin to um, lay out to God their selfish ambition and desires. God, just really allow you to stir within them a desire to serve you, honor you, to walk in holiness. And God, we ask, Lord, if someone is lost here this morning, that they would first and foremost accept you, ask you to be their Lord and Savior. So if that's you here this morning or you online and you want a purpose, you want to be forgiven of Christ, you want all your sins to be washed away, you want to be a new creation, it starts today with just asking him to be your Lord and Savior. Admitting, understanding, acknowledging that you're a sinful being and that all the good in the world that you do will not account to anything or amount to anything unless Christ is your Savior. So just invite him in to be your Lord, be your Savior. Ask him to fill you with his Spirit so that you can do what he's created you to do. We ask that for those who are Christian, those who are followers, while well, they've lost the passion, they've lost the zeal, they never experienced, God, I pray that you would move in their lives and they would let you. May they align their lives up, God, with your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. We ask this. Amen, amen. That would mean that it is twelve o'clock, and somebody <laughs> has to somebody has to eat at twelve Alex, is that you? No. Oh, okay, good. You can eat at twelve o'clock. All right. So cool, guys. Next week, Mother's Day, we're gonna have a great time. We're gonna be taking care of our ladies and loving on them. So invite your mom, invite your neighbor. If her kids aren't around, they don't live nearby. It's a great time to invite any mother. That is, uh, their family aren't nearby.